This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. You know, as, as, as I was looking and, and reviewing um, the notes, and, and so my, my task is the same task that all of you had, is to, is to review the teachings that we've been uh, um, giving in this ministry on uh, am I ready for the married state? And, and, and I, you know, one thing that struck me as I was looking through those notes is, is so much of uh, authority and submission was, was, was wrapped up in am I ready for the married state? So much of of the snare of the fowler and avoiding distractions. You know, I, ju- I just saw echoes of all the teachings that we had been receiving over the past year. I, I, saw, I saw, you'll see in, in a, in a, as I bring it out today, an echo of uh, the admonishment that our, our pastor gave us to, uh, to, to get out of debt and to, and, to, and to get your house in order and to establish your savings. I just saw echoes of, of all of the teachings of all of the teachings that have been going on in this ministry, not, not just over the past few months, but over the past few years. Over the past few years. And so if, if you, you know, you'd, ha- you'd have to be sleeping on it and, and sleeping real hard to miss what God is saying because he just, he, he knows you got distracted the last time and so he repeats it again for you. And he knows that, that you lost focus and, and you tried something and, and maybe you, you, you pulled back. Once you got to 80 percent, you weren't all the way at 100 percent. And so he gives it to you again so that you can hear and hear and hear and, and make application of the word of God. So when we talk about the definition of marriage, we said that marriage it is a divine institution created by God whereby two rational, free moral agents, a man and a woman, who are born again, choose to enter into a lifetime covenant with another imperfect person. And we've, uh, we've, we've unbundled that definition on, on, on many occasions. You know, but first of all, we said that, that marriage is it's God's institution. Marriage, it, it, it's, God, it's, it's not something that, that we made up. It's not something that was convenient for us. But it is something that, that God has ordained. And that God is in favor of marriage. God is, God is not opposed to marriage. But God has a purpose. He has a design for marriage. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Just to ground this in scripture. God, God has a, a reason and a purpose for marriage. Ephesians chapter 5. We're just going to read verse 31 through the end of the chapter. And it says, For this cause... Shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. He says, This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you, in particular, so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. He said that when he says that this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church, is that the, the marriage relationship, it is, it's, it's a reflection of Christ in the church. It's supposed to be a reflection of the order that is established. is a reflection of the order that God has established in ministry. That The, the order that God has established where, where Christ himself is submitted to God. 
and that, that God is, is, is man's covering and that the man covers the wife. So, because I don't have a lot of time, I'm going to jump into um, just, just a quick um, summary or, or just a, a quick um, um, dive into sort of the questions that you should have been asking yourselves throughout these teachings. And, and, and we may talk about you know, just a little bit of some of the considerations in those questions. One thing that I, that I love about the human brain is that, you know, your, your brain is it's a, it's, a, it's a complicated information processing machine. And based on the stimuli that you provide to it, 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 it comes up with different answers. Based on the way that you ask the question, your brain thinks about the question differently. I mean, I, I, always, I always find that, that, that amazing. Instead of asking, you know, um, your, your, your children, you know, have you, have you brushed your teeth? That's a yes or no question. It's really easy to, to, to let, that, let that lie slip in. You ask them, well, um, when did you brush your teeth? How, how long did you brush your teeth for? Did you go two minutes or was it just like a, a, a five second, you know, rinse and spit you know just the way the way that you ask the question the brain works differently and so what I'm getting at is that we ask the question is am I ready for the married state and that's that's one way of asking the question is am I ready for the married state and another way of asking that is how do I know when I'm married when I'm ready for the married state see one way your brain says yes or no you know just real quickly and then it dismisses and goes on with the rest of the day. The other one, it says, well, well, how do I know? Oh, now, now your brain is saying, I need to engage into a, a different level of thinking. I need to, to, to sort of understand, well, what are the factors that I should have considered? What are, the, what are, what are the, 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 the things that I should have seen demonstrated in my life? What are the things that I should have seen demonstrated in my, my potential partner's life? And so your brain thinks of, uh, of the question differently based on how it's asked. And so we talked first of all about, you know, we, we covered in the last couple of weeks why and when premarital counseling. And uh, primarily, you know, in that, in that teaching we talked about that you need to know how to choose. And so one of the questions that, that we said that you should have written down is, is, you know, what is my understanding of God's standard for marriage? So what, what's my understanding of God's standard for marriage? And what has, what has he spoken to me about my service to him? What has he spoken to me about my service to him? And then we talked about, well, you know, what, well, what are my preferences? You know, some, something about the way that the, that, that the mind works and the way that, that, that our learning centers work. You know, when we ask these things and we ask ourselves these things internally, we get one answer. When we ask these questions of ourselves, even if we speak the question out loud and we answer the question out loud, we get a, a, a deeper answer. But you know what? If you really want to if you really want to get to the heart of the matter, write it down. Write out the question and then take the time to write out a thoughtful response to that question. What's my understanding of God's standard for marriage? What is my understanding of God? What, what, if, what have been my experiences? What have I, what have I learned? Uh, what, what, have I, what have I learned that I know intellectually? What have I learned that I have experienced 
as, as I have applied the Word of God and seen the Word of God take, take uh, application in my life, what have, I, what have I seen of the Word of God as it's, as it's being played out in, in other people's lives? What is my understanding of God's standard for marriage? What, what has He spoken to me about my service to Him? What's he spoke, what, is, what, is, what is God saying to me about my service to Him? And then, you know, what, what are my preferences? What are the things that, that, I'm, that I'm hung up on? Am I hung up on skin color? Am I hung up on a certain body type? A certain income classification? What about a, a status? Do they need to have a certain degree? Come from a certain university? Come from a certain part of the country? From a certain part of the world? What, what, are, what am, I, am, I, am I Am I hung up on hair? You know, if you're hung up on hair, you know, thanks to modern technology, that's not a problem. Any hair that you want, your spouse can have. What are, what are my preferences? And so in Proverbs 18 and 8, it says that whoso, in Proverbs 18 and 22, it says, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. So God, God, God believes that marriage, it's a good thing. It, marriage is honorable in all, but it's, it's not to be taken lightly. It's not to be taken lightly. Why? Because God, God hates divorce. And because of that, you need to be prepared. And so pressing on, the next thing is, is um, and this is something that, that, we, that we should have touched on and, and we, we kind of missed is we talked about God's perspective and God's purpose for marriage. And I just want to jump to the, the question that you should have been asking yourself as we were going through this teaching, Minister Hastings was going through these teachings, is you really should have been asking is, is um, how is delegated authority involved in my life? How is delegated authority, and we, we just want to cut to the heart of the matter, how is delegated authority, what, what is that their involvement in my financial, in my relationship challenges? Talking about your money and your emotions. For some of you, those are, that's the same thing. But, you know, how, how is God involved, how is delegated authority involved in my financial and my relationship challenges? Now, see, the way, I, the way I said that, your brain thinks differently, right? When I say, how is delegated authority involved in my financial and relationship challenges? Right, because I think the way that um, I, I, I gave it to, um, to, to um, the, the multimedia team to, to put it up there is, how are my parents involved in my financial and relationship challenges? Remember what I said about how the brain works? See, when I say, how are my parents involved, in my financial and relationship challenges, you think one thing. You, you start thinking about, well, these are the struggles and the arguments and the, and, the, and the discussions that I've had back and forth with mom and dad about their point of view and my point of view. And it's not about that at all. It's, re it's really not about that at all. I know you think it is. I know your emotions, you know, get up because you remember when, when they said they were going to get you ice cream when you were eight years old and you never stopped and got that ice cream. Right. But now, see, when we ask the question is, well, how is delegated authority 
involved in my financial and relationship challenges, now your brain is thinking differently. You're saying, oh, wait a second. It's not about, it's not about this, this familiar, right, this common relationship, but it is about the divine position that they have in my life to, to instruct me and to admonish me and to help me to grow in the things of God. Now when I'm coming to them with my financial challenges, with my relationship challenges, it's not about what their opinions are, but it's about how do I get into God's, how do I conform to God's standard for my life? See, that's, 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 how, the, that's how the brain begins to work. You, you start to hear differently when you, when you forget about all that, that common, right? all that familiar baggage. And you start saying, well, listen, this is a resource that God has placed in my life. To help me to press into righteousness, to press into the standard of God. And I need to hear what they have to say. And some of you are like, well, you don't know my you don't know my parents. Well, what about the delegated authority that God has placed in your life? What about the delegated authority that God has placed in your life? Are you just, you know, coming in and presenting a, a, a face and an appearance in a show that everything is fine when actually things are not fine things are not in control and you need some guidance and you need some direction what's the role that delegated authority plays in my financial, in my relationship challenges and the other part of that is what, to what extent do I ask for and apply counsel Even when my parents aren't directly involved. You know, it's really easy to get someone to, to pretend like or to, to, to act like they're going to do what you want them to do when you're paying the bill. Right? When, when, when you solve the problem for them, they'll be like, oh yeah, you know, I'll, I'll come by, you know, we'll have Sunday dinner. Here, here's the phone bill. Here's my rent. You know, can you just go ahead and give me that on the way out? You know, it's real easy, right, for, 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 for someone to put on the face and to put on the show when they know that, 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 that they're going to get something out of it. But what about when, when you come and you say, well, here's, here's, here's the, the rent, the car, the phone, you know, the subscription services. These are, these are all the bills. And they say, well, let's, let, let's grab hands. And instead of me grabbing for my wallet, let's just pray about this. And let's see God, let's see God's face and say, you know, God, you are all that I need. You are my source and my supply. And my life needs to reflect that you are my everything. All right. Now, son, now, daughter, let's look at these bills again. And let's make a decision on what is it that's 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 allowing you to press into the presence of God. And what's really a distraction. Are you, are you still able to apply that counsel? It's, it's real easy when, when, um, when, when they are in favor of the person that you're bringing over for dinner. When, when, uh, when, when, when they, they are in support of. But what about when they say, well, is, is there never, you know, any children of your own people? of your own faith that you find attractive, that you, that you find that you want to spend time with? You know, 
Are, are you able to apply to counsel then? Even when, when they're not directly involved with solving a problem. And we read, we read Ephesians 5 and, and 31 through 33. And really your, your, your marriage it should be a reflection of Christ in the church. God's purpose for your union is to produce a godly seed. So that any, anyone that comes to your home, they should see an example of godliness. They should see an example of godliness in your home. One of the scriptures that we have here is, is uh, 1 Corinthians. I'll just read it for you. 13 verse 11. It says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And so a question that you can ask, and you know, that, that goes along with the question that we have up there, is, is examine your, your speech. How, how's your speech? What are you talking about? What, what, what is your understanding? Do, do I still have a childlike understanding? What, 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 is, what is your, your thinking? Do I still have a childlike thinking? You know, my, my um, I'll, just, I'll just go here. Since, since we're in family life class, my, my son just went to a, a, a new student orientation. Um, and, and he was kind of relating to us the, some of the conversations that, that, uh, that, that he was having with the, with the people, that he, the, the, the peers that he was encountering. Some of the questions that they were asking him and some of the things that he was, that he was doing when he was at that new student orientation. And and I, and I remember, you know, back when when I first um, stepped on my foot on the campus at the university, and, and some of the things that 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 I was thinking about back then, some of the the, the concerns that I had, and you know, um, suffice it to say, it, it it was all about women, women, and women. And then on top of that, we were just going to rule the world. I mean, somehow, you know, we, we were going we to get to know and, and be loved by all the women. And somehow, in, in the middle of all that, we were actually going to rule the world. We were not going to accept any grade less than an A. Every, every, every uh, transfer class, we were like, if that's a B, we're not going to accept it. We're only accepting A's. We're only going to get A's. We called ourselves the 4.0 posse. Because we were only going to accept A's. This is before classes started. This is, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is before any tests had been given. Right, so, so you ask yourself, and then, and then I remembered um, a couple of years, uh, actually, yes, yeah, a couple of years later after I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, you know, how my, how my thinking had changed in just that short period of time. And, and it wasn't it wasn't even about any of those things anymore. It wasn't about trying to rule the world. It wasn't about trying to find the scene where all the all the women were. It was how can I learn more about my God? And how can I press into his presence? How can I demonstrate excellence? See, I wasn't thinking about getting an A because I, I wanted to demonstrate that I was superior to anybody else. I wanted to, to focus and, and apply myself to my studies because I wanted to show, demonstrate excellence in my life. 
you know, just to be honest with you, I, I saw too many other Christians that were flunking out of school. And I didn't want that to be my testimony. I saw people that were, that, were, that were going to school and leaving school because they got caught up with the world's cares. And I saw some other people that were going to school and they were leaving, they were leaving school and they were hiding behind their Christianity. They were, they were too busy studying their Bible to go to classes. And, I, and, and, and the Lord spoke to me and said that this, 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 this is not the way. That, that in what you've committed to, you should be committed to. And what you've placed yourself in, it should be placed in. And so I found myself surrounding, surrounding myself, not, not with those people that were, that were chasing skirts or, or those people that were caught up in pride, but those people that had immersed themselves in the word of God. Your, your, your company changes. So as you put away, have you, have you put away those childish things? You know, it's, it's, it's good to play video games, but is is, is video games still a major component of your life? You know, it, it's good to look good. It's good to dress good. It's good to take care of yourself and make yourself look presentable. But is the way that you dress and the way that you look, is that the, ma- the major component of your life? You want, you want people to always say that they, that, that, that they love the way that your, your eyelashes look. Or they like that dress or those shoes that you have. Or that your, your, your haircut is fresh. You know, is, that, is that really what you want to be known for? Is that actually the major component of your life? So that immature thinking, it's all centered on sex and the wedding. And it doesn't consider the marriage relationship. The husband has to take responsibility for setting the direction for the home. It's really hard to set the direction when you don't know where you're going and you don't know where your foundation is. We said that in in putting away childish things, there has to be physical, emotional, and financial separation from your parents. Now, does that mean that, that they're not a part of any of it? No. No, but it, it means that, that they have their place. They have their place. We said that authority, it brings order. When you look in those areas of your life, in your relationships, and your finances, that authority brings order. And that where there, there's lack of order, that there's lack of authority. Where there is lack of order, that means there is lack of authority. And there's a lack of authority because there's a lack of submission on your part. I know, I know you want to put the blame on, you know, well, there's no role models around me. There, 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 are, no, there are no guides around me. But if there's no order, it's because there's a lack of submission on your part. We talked about what does God want from my marriage and how does he get it? What does God want from my marriage and how does he get it? And the principal question that you want to ask yourself here is, 
How have I demonstrated that I am submitted and obedient to Christ? This is this is still this is still premarital premarital counseling. How have I demonstrated that I am submitted and obedient to Christ? You know, you can ask yourself, Am I submitted and obedient to Christ? And that's a yes or no that's a yes or no um, question. You can just mentally answer it and move on. But when I say, well, how have I demonstrated it? What's the evidence in my life? What's the evidence in my motivations, in my actions, in my thinking that shows that I am submitted and obedient to Christ? What do I know that God has told me to do? And I've acted on it. Even when I thought that it was against my interests, even when it was outside of my comfort zone. Where have I submitted and placed myself under? Even when I thought that I knew more than who I was placed under, even when I thought that I could do it better or maybe just different. But how have I submitted myself? under delegated authority and become obedient to Christ. We said that a, a godly marriage, submission and obedience is necessary because a godly marriage is preferred above a good marriage. A godly marriage is preferred above a good marriage. You know, you could try to use algorithms and and, and, and statistics and, and maybe some gut feelings and, and maybe the, the rumors and the reputations and some perceived behaviors. And you could probably cobble together a good marriage. I mean, everybody's not stepping out on their wives. Everybody is not, not being treacherous. You could probably cobble together and piece together. And they call it jury rig, duct tape together, a good marriage. But a godly marriage is preferred above a good marriage. You know, you can't put your expectations on God's institution. God expects your marriage not to reflect the world's norms or societal norms or your culture or your ethnicity. God expects your marriage to reflect Christ and the church. If he gets what he wants out of your marriage, the way that God gets what he wants out of your marriage is through submission and obedience. So we talked about next the, the seriousness of the marriage covenant. The seriousness of the marriage covenant. And Minister Stinson um, went at great length to, to talk about the, the ceremonies, about the oaths and the agreements that are involved in a marriage ceremony and the significance of those words and, and the ordering of them and what it is that, that you say and what it is that you repeat and who it is that you're actually making your commitments to. And so the questions that you have to ask yourself with respect to the seriousness of the marriage covenant is, 
how have I committed myself to God? You see how these questions are worded? I'm not asking you, are you committed to God? How have I committed myself to God? How have I tied myself to the altar? When I would try to escape because of the flames. When I would try to escape because of the discomfort. How have I bound myself? When, it, when it's going opposite to the way that I thought that it should go. When I'm not getting the favor that I thought that I should get or the recognition that I thought that I should get. When people are not acknowledging me that I thought the way that they should acknowledge me. When I feel like I'm being attacked because of what other people in ministry are saying about me. How have I committed myself to God? How have I, have I tied myself down? And lashed myself to the altar. He says, Lord, I'm a living sacrifice. I'm a living sacrifice. Consume all that I am. All of my stubbornness, all of my pride, all of my selfishness, burn it all up. So that only your glory can remain. That when they see me, all that they see is you. Listen, we're talking about, this is premarital counseling. We said if you, if you can't commit to God, how do you expect to be able to commit to someone else? To an imperfect person. If you cannot commit to a holy God, to an almighty God, to an all-providing God, how can you commit to an imperfect person? There, I mean, there, there, there's no reason why we shouldn't present ourselves to him as a living sacrifice. I mean, it, it wouldn't make any sense. And so if, if you find some kind of excuse, if you make an excuse why you can't commit to God, I mean, what are you going to do when the socks are on the floor? When the sink is full of dirty dishes? When the month is long and the money is short. When the bed is not hot anymore, but it's cold. This is a lifetime commitment to an imperfect person. So get it straight. Get it straight. How have I committed myself to God? And then you have to ask yourself, am I willing to commit myself to the covenant of marriage. Because it's your choice. It's your choice. You have to set your will. It's not, is it convenient to commit myself to the covenant of marriage? Is it financially profitable? Is it socially acceptable? The question is, am I willing Am I willing? Will I set in my will? Will I set in my heart? Will I fix my desires to commit myself to the covenant of marriage? 
you know, your, your, your brain, it's a, it's a wonderful instrument. Once, once you set your will, once you set your will, then you find a way. The mind finds a way. All of a sudden, you hear things that you, that you didn't hear before. Counsel that's being given forth. Now, oh, wait a second. I see how that connects in this situation. I see how, that, how these things tie together. No, no, I know that you weren't talking about that, but that's what God was saying to me through the words that you were speaking. We said that in the marriage covenant, it's, it's, it's a, it provides a unified principle for understanding the scripture and God's relationship with man. We said that it's, a, it's an oath and it's also an agreement. That the oath, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a promise where one party pledges to another party and that there are mutual obligations and, and benefit. We said that a covenant is only as secure as the integrity of the parties involved. That a covenant is only as secure as the integrity of the parties involved. That the formal ceremony, it, it includes a, a declaration of consent. Basically, you're saying that I am rational. I'm a free moral agent. Nobody's making me do this. I'm doing this of my, of my own free will. And it also includes vows of love and devotion. That when, when we declare our consent, we, we repeat the words that are given and we say that I, I, I will. In the declaration of consent, we, we, we hear the, the, the words that are, that are given by the minister. And, and following those words, we say that I will or I do. And that in the vows of devotion, that, that's where we repeat. That's where we repeat the, the, um, the specific To have and to hold from this fate day forward in sickness and in health until death do us part. And, you know, no matter what's, what's included in there, it's always followed by something like, as God, as God is my witness. As God is my witness, I give you my promise. Saying, God, God is the witness. God is the witness. To what I'm saying, but the promise is directed towards you. God is the one that I that I have to answer to, that I'm going to hold myself accountable to. The promise is directed towards you. I'm saying, God, I'm in your hands. If I fall short, you have every right. To mete out the punishment that's necessary. But the benefit, the benefits are to you. And the last thing that we talked about was we talked about submission in marriage. Submission in marriage.
And I just love the, uh, the teachings that we've been doing on authority. And, I mean, you see how the word of God, I mean, we said that the marriage covenant helps us to understand all of the scriptures. And if, if, if you've been listening to the premarital teaching, then you would have seen how, how all of it ties into the Sunday morning teachings, how it ties into the Wednesday night teachings, into pressing towards the mark. Commitment requires pressing. How it ties into submission and authority. The question that you ask yourself with respect to submission and marriage is how does my life demonstrate that God directs my life, has a restraining influence over my life, and holds my life in check? How does my life demonstrate that God directs my life? Now, if you're going to answer that question, you have to ask yourself then, What's a time where God directed my life? Not where the job opportunity directed my life. Not where the, the, the admission acceptance directed my life. Not where someone else's designs and plans, someone else's desires, because they thought that I would be good in this particular area, or because they thought that I would, I would, it seemed like I had a talent or a gift in this other area, but what is a time where God directed my life? You know, the scripture says that the just shall live by faith. So if you really want to understand what's the time when God directed my life, what's the time when I had to step out on faith? When it was not obvious that victory was certain. When, when it wasn't actually comfortable for me to step into this area, what's a time where the benefits that were going to accrue were not directed towards me, but the benefits were directed towards God and His kingdom? When, when has God directed my life? says, how does my life demonstrate that God has a restraining influence over my life? When did it look really good for me to take an opportunity, but I knew that it could present, because I wouldn't admit to myself that it definitely would, but it could present a conflict with the commitments that I had already given to the Lord. When did it look like something, a, a financial decision, a relationship decision would have been very attractive, very, very profitable for me? It seemed like it was the right thing to do and the right time to do it. But there was no peace in me about it. And I knew that if I did it, I would be forcing it. I would be going against the counsel of the Lord. And I said, you know what? I'm going to have to let that pass me by. I'm going to have to let that pass me by. You know what? If, if, if you were, if, if you live in the Austin area, in much of the country, but if you live in the Austin area, 
And this is, I, I, this is in 2022. I know these messages will be out there for forever. But this is in 2022. If you live in the Austin area and in 2018, if you had purchased a home, you'd be a millionaire right now. Why is that? Because of the appreciation of property in the area. But if you had purchased that home in 2018 and it caused you to move away from the influence and the direction of God, then you made the wrong decision. You made the wrong decision. If you started a business 10 years ago, some people would say that, and it's, and it's still in operation, that you should be set by now. But if that business caused you to move away from ministry and from hearing the word of God, you made the wrong choice. How does my life demonstrate that God has a restraining influence over my life? How does my life demonstrate that God holds my life in check? It demonstrates that it holds my life in check. You know, there are some things that you could have gotten away with, that you could have taken on, and it would have been okay. But it would not have been okay. Because it wasn't what God, it wasn't God's desire, it wasn't His design. There's some relationships that you could have held on to, but those relationships were actually holding you back. You had to let them go. God holds my life in check. When I could have extended my hands, I didn't. Because God said, that's not for you. Listen, it's, it's desirable. It's pleasing to the eyes. There might be some wisdom that you could attain from it. But it's not for you. How does my life demonstrate that God holds my life in check? We said that submission, it begins first in your relationship as a believer. That you have to get submission right as a believer, and if you don't do that, you're not going to have it right in marriage. And that submission as a believer is, is clearly demonstrated in your submission to God and His delegated authority. Listen, if, if there is no delegated authority in your life, then just know that you're not submitted. If there is no delegated authority in your life, just know that you are not submitted. I continuously pray for family members that 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 um that believe that that um that that they have the favor of God. They they are experiencing the bounty of the Lord. And they are not under delegated authority. Just, just know that if, 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 if you're not under delegated authority, you can't be submitted. And we said before that if you're not under the hand of God, then how can you expect to receive from God? You know, some people get caught in a rainstorm 
And when it's raining, everybody gets wet. But there is a difference between being in a rainstorm and getting wet and being placed beside rivers of living water. There's, there's, there's a difference between getting a little rain and being placed by rivers of water. I know, I know you all in Texas, you, you, you probably, you know, you, if you traveled, you've seen it, you know, uh, but if not, then it's, it's just a mystery to you. But there, there are places where trees are actually taller than houses. In Texas, it's not, it's not quite so clear. You know, there, there are places where trees are as big around as cars. And it's because in those places, there is water. There is living water. And that's why those things can grow there. But in, in dry places, you get small trees with skinny trunks. That when the ice storms come or when the wind blows too hard, they split apart and break. Just know that if you're not under the hand of God, then you're not receiving from the hand of God. So how does my life demonstrate that God directs my life, has a restraining influence over my life, and holds my life in check? Once we understand submission as a believer, now we can move on to submission in marriage. We said that marriage is a choice, that you, you don't have to get married. But if you choose to get married, then God expects you to submit to the line of authority that he has established in marriage. That the one of the, the, the warnings or the caveats is that it, where we are not submitted, we will have unfinished business and unresolved battles. And so, as you ask yourself these, these questions as it relates to, am I ready for the state of marriage? What I want you to do is, is to also challenge yourself with, how do I know? How do I know when I'm ready for the married state? And apply, apply these questions that we've gone over about my understanding of marriage about my response and my relationship to delegated authority. About my submission and obedience to Christ. About my commitment. How have I tied myself to the Lord? And how has my life demonstrated that He directs, influences, and holds my life in check. Examine those questions and then the answers should become obvious to you. Now, notice that we said to ask yourself these questions. Because your, your preparation for marriage, it begins with you. It begins with you. Now, are you going to be able to inspect and see and know you know, that, that, that you are perfect in all of these areas? 
No, we, we are a work in progress. We are a work in progress. But you, you need to confront the questions. You need to confront the questions. And then in your spouse, you need to be honest with yourself about their behavior and their position. You know, are they submitted to God? No. How, how have I seen that? Are they living a selfish life or are they living a sacrificing life? Or is it, are, they, are they just playing, is it something that they just started? There's nothing like a diet that you just started because anyone can, can go no carbs for a day, maybe even a week. And then three months later, everything that you put off, you put back on because it takes time, because it takes time. Any, anyone can, uh, can, can put on the, the walk and vest for a month for a 30-day challenge and have the weights on and the ankles and go at it, even in 100-degree heat because you're excited. But we learn in this ministry that new does not stay new for long. And marriage is a lifetime commitment. Can you do the things that you need to do when you don't want to do them? When it's not convenient for you to do them, can you make yourself start to move in the right direction? The brain is amazing. Once you start yourself on a path, all of a sudden, your brain stops giving you reasons why you can't do it. And it starts to give you reasons why you can continue. That's why we need to pray, because we cannot trust on our own understanding. We cannot trust in our own understanding. In all of our ways, we must acknowledge the Lord and that he will direct our paths. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.